0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm R.J. Metzger. And I'm Rachel Metzger. And this is episode 60, which means it's special time. Woo! And as you know from your podcast player... It is the special special volume one. <laughs> and the reason why we're doing this is because, um, well, a couple of reasons. One, it's been a long time since we started, right? Like two years ago, um, we started a little over two years ago, uh, which is weird. But also we had a hiatus in there. So between those two things, we wanted to kind of recap the specials for ourselves. But then the third and most pivotal reason is these are set, like specials are made up of such like interesting topics that never stop that what we wanna do is every five specials, which means every 50 episodes, so about once a year. um, Yeah, about once a year. uh, We're gonna go back through the specials and see if there are any updates worth sharing with y'all. And so we wanna do that, um, yeah, like I said, about once a year, uh, we'll be able to do that. And that's, so we're starting with this one. Um, And again, it's because these are super important topics that are like, you know, like special to everybody that listens to this. you know, and especially our, our first years, we did the biggest ones that we could think of. So um, and they're they're important to us. So we don't want to just like, oh, we did those and never talk about them ever again. So uh, rather than just leaving them to random in the news segments, which obviously won't give it their comeuppance, we're going to do the special specials every year. Um, and in the spirit of that, I have a special in the news for the special you have special. A special
1: in the news. I am the one who said we should talk about this. But I
0: found it. So it doesn't I found matter.
1: it before you. Remember, but you didn't? you I literally saw the article and then you were like, hey, did you see that? And I was like, yes. And then last week I was like, we should talk about this. So this is my in the news that you don't get to talk about.
0: Well, I did the notes.
1: And that's not what I mean. I just mean you don't get to give me crap for not having ideas. This is my idea. <laughs> so,
0: okay, I do all the work, but I don't care. it's my idea. Okay, whatever. um First of all, let's talk about our lives real quick. Oh, gosh. Um, so
1: texas is dying yeah
0: texas is dying we're in the freeze uh we didn't have water for several days and um but we're fine everything's fine yeah. power's been um, decent
1: and i would like to rant about texas this is stupid we get freezes at least once a year how are we not prepared how is it that like this happened and everyone's like dying
0: let's there it wasn't a blizzard this
1: is ridiculous i'm annoyed
0: yeah well, and we used to Do live in, in Texas we used to live in the snow, um so this was yeah it was just like it's cold and unpleasant, yeah yeah, so this has been fr- slightly frustrating. and our house as well is not made in a way conducive for freezes because um, we
1: live in Texas and they don't want to put the money towards that,
0: yeah, like we had a we had a freeze i um it had to have been below the uh well house itself and it was like far enough down where I had no way to get to the pipes to heat them. so I had to like throw a lamp out there with an incandescent bulb and it took like four days to thaw. So, um, anyway, we're, let's leave that. we're fine. Everything's fine. Um, also, there we hope who, you are. Yeah. There's yeah. People who it a
1: lot worse than us. That's so we hope really you're where I wanted to go staying with that. warm
0: and safe and all that. Exactly. um, I was actually talking to one of my friends today and they were like, "Wow, you have so much like that you're prepared to deal with this type of stuff." And I was like, "I'm not actually prepared. I just like to camp." So like I have the stuff, but I'm not really ready like for this type. We will be next time though. We Yeah, no,
1: I was talking to him about how like we literally like the night before the storm. We were like, "Hey, there's like a huge storm coming." And we were like, "Oh, cool!" And then went to sleep. Yeah, like, we, we happened,
0: were not. We happened to just get groceries. Yeah, and because we were sick the previous week, we had like a lot of canned like soup because we weren't feeling good. So it worked out. But yeah, no, it we're was gonna more be of fun. like luck than yeah. Also, anything like else. when you move is like or like right after a move is the worst time to have an emergency because oh, yeah, you purge. Yeah, you purge stuff, and you don't have like like we used to have big box of MREs that we donated during the hurricanes. Uh, and like we had like a bunch of stuff and then we never replaced it cause we were moving. So we learned our lesson and now we have 300 gallons of water sitting in our garage. Yep. So anyways, yeah, so we're good. Um, so that's our lives. Do we have any other updates? No, no, no. I'm starting a nonprofit soon. So that'll be fun. So <laughs> I'm sure I'll share it with the group. Um, but wish me luck on that because that's a fun process. Um, yeah, that's about it. Okay. So in the news, uh, what we have to talk about is diet left past. So the reason why we wanted to bring this up and why we thought it was special is because that was our first ever episode. Do not listen to that episode. <laughs> it is so bad and cringeworthy. It's um, rough. yeah, like it, it is nails on a chalkboard to us. Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to make fun of us, go for it. Like, I haven't deleted it. which Wait, probably... hold on.
1: I just need to tell a little story first. My sister told me that one of her, like, a lady she was talking to was like, oh, I, like, I'm super into Skinwalkers and stuff. And my sister was like, oh, you should listen to my sister's podcast. And I was like, no, no, not that episode.
0: Yeah. That, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, no. Yeah. Listen
1: to literally anything else. But if you're into Skinwalkers, go listen to some other podcast that was already well established when they talked about Skinwalkers.
0: Yeah, I, I have a friend, uh, her name's Jess. Hey, Jess, if you're listening to this, she was like, I want to check out your podcast. And I was like, well, listen, recent backwards, because for two reasons, one, those episodes are God awful. Like, I hate them. But also, we didn't used to bleep out our curse words. So and just as kids. Um, so now we bleep out our curse words. I guess I missed one. You said I told you. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm not perfect. I never claim to be perfect, but I try. And of course, it was me. You couldn't have unbleep. You couldn't have not bleeped yourself.
0: It was crazy. me. Well, I cursed a lot in the first episode, so we had to catch up somehow. All right. Well, anyway, so back to the news. Diet love Lefeb- Oh, by the way, if this is one of your first episodes, sorry, real quick, uh, specials go on longer than normal. So we're going to be more long winded than we normally are. If, if that's not your style, which is totally fine. Um, just check out the other episodes and you'll check them. Like you can see them by length. Normally we run about an hour. Specials normally run about two hours. Um, unless we split them into two episodes, which has happened. So, um, so yeah, just if it's your first listen, which that has happened where we had listeners the first time was a special, the bar was set too high. Like that's not that's not what yeah. we normally do or too low if you don't have an attention span for it. So just giving you a heads up, if it's your first listen and you don't want a long listen, just pick another random episode that isn't on the tens because that's when we do our specials anyway, back to it. And again, for an in the news, this will be a little long winded. The will pass. Um, they believe that they actually found the cause for what happened in the diatlet pass incident um again if you don't know what happened check out any other media about the diatlet <laughs> pass except for our first episode um for the story because it was so bad um i actually highly recommend uh uh expedition unknown he did, oh, yeah. uh, he's, he did one, awesome. he's great i love josh gates um because it, it blends you know what we like to talk about but it's also travel like he does a travel show and he's just a giant teddy Fun bear, fact, bear of a josh man.
1: gates is on like my list of if I ever met like a famous person to leave you for. <laughs> it would I'd be leave Josh you Gates. for Josh Gates. Yeah, he's amazing. He, he's
0: such a classic like classy man. He would I never, just love him. Would, yeah, I, I'd leave you for him. So I that's respect. Why. I get it. Um that's just not true. He's too big <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Um well that derailed me. Sorry. now i'm thinking about josh gates and my future with him
1: all right it'd be good you guys go on adventures
0: together yeah i would leave it for him i actually. know you he, would you live would would in a truck with he me a
1: hundred percent
0: would uh, all right josh if you're listening to this pretty sure josh is married and has kids he does and <laughs> is but you know if you ever find yourself bored uh, i i'm here for you or
1: looking to swing the other way
0: <laughs> yeah well that would be a prerequisite i mean we could be uh what's it called platonic friends that's fine too
1: I feel like the words platonic and friends, it's like, it's like, what's it called? Where you say two words that it mean the same thing? Redundant. Yeah. Platonic and friends mean the same thing.
0: Well, no, because you can have friends with benefits, which the, is yeah, the Yeah, which is where opposite. you add
1: benefits. Like, like no one assumes. People that when I, say hold platonic on, no, no, friends. no, but, but hold on. If I walked up to you and said, hey, you want to be friends? You wouldn't just in your brain go,
0: sexual benefits? friends. <laughs> no, you'd be like
1: <laughs> platonic friends.
0: Yeah, but it's a phrase. I'm not the one that made it up. That doesn't mean you need to say it. There's lots of phrases that people didn't make up that they shouldn't okay, say. Okay, whatever. Anyway. regardless. Oh, jeez. Let's move on. Yeah, you're proving my point. <laughs> I, I don't say that, by the way. I for, know. for the record. No, for them. Oh, yeah. It, especially if yes, is your does. first... Like, do not. <laughs> I was a writing major. No. <laughs> so was Ted Mosby. Ted... Do not? No, he <laughs> wasn't. I know, I made that up. What the hell? <laughs> anyway. Um, back to the matter at hand. That'll pass. So, um... There, this is actually our fir- uh, first for the show. Uh, I'm referencing a peer-reviewed study instead of anything <laughs> we've, else. Have we ever done that? No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. It's a first. Wow. Th- Why would it be a first for the show? No, if we've but done I was it?
1: thinking it's crazy that we've talked about all this stuff that's supposed to be like we have
0: talked about a study, but it was not <laughs> peer-reviewed. It was the Bigfoot genetics. It was not peer-reviewed at all. Yeah, um, not surprising. Well, actually, I think it was peer-reviewed, but it was completely uh, crapped all over. Yeah, but, um, right. And by peers, I mean. I don't know. Anyway, it was bad. No, this one's true. So uh, the citation is GOM J. Puzram AM. All right. I think they're Russian. I don't know. Mechanisms of Slav avalanche release and impact in the Dioplov Pass incident in 1959, common Earth Environ 2 10 2021, which can be found at uh, nature.com and in read in full. Um, it's also, you know, got a DOI.org, which you can find. But just Google it and you can find it. So I'm going to read the abstract essentially verbatim because it's actually a really good... Um synopsis of the whole incident uh, as well as what they're looking at. So the Dialov Pass incident is an intriguing unsolved mystery from the last century. In February 1959, a group of nine experienced Russian mountaineers perished during a difficult expedition in the northern Urals. A snow avalanche hypothesis was proposed, among other theories, but was found to be inconsistent with the evidence of a lower than usual slope angle, scarcity of avalanche signs, and uncertainties about the trigger mechanism. And abnormal injuries of the victims. The challenge of explaining these observations has led us to a physical mechanism for a slab avalanche caused by progressive wind blown snow accumulation on the slope above the hiker's tent. Here we show how a combination of ir- irregular topography, a cut made in the slope to install the tent, and the subsequent deposition of snow induced by strong catabatic katab- or catabatic, I guess, winds contributed um after a suitable time to the slab release which caused severe non-fatal injuries in agreement with the autopsy results. So to kind of wrap all that up plus what we already know about the case, um essentially one of the main things about avalanche not being the main cause of death was that the people weren't so injured that you would think avalanche yeah. immediately. So um obviously one of the most compelling or one of the weirder wordings of the case was that the Russian government called it a, quote, compelling natural force, which people always have kind of latched onto as this is weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was some other stuff that's unaddressed by this, right? Like the radio, they were radiated. Um, There was radiation present. Um, Some of the mutilation on the bodies weren't consistent. Um, But one of the main things that has always been against this was the um, slope was kind of determined not to be an avalanche zone. Right. And there also weren't like traditional avalanche. Sign. Yeah. Um, But essentially, uh, and I will save you from a lot of the dullness, but feel free to check it out. Um, What they said was the way that they installed their tent, and you can kind of see a diagram of this is they cut it into the mountainside. um, Well, the snow. Right. All the snow embankments in the mountainside so that they would have wind shelter. Yeah. Right. But the way that they cut it. Um, And then the way the winds were blowing that night, it would have released a small avalanche and actually at the very minimal index of what would be considered an avalanche. So like an avalanche is like something like 30 degrees or whatever. And they were like at 28 degrees um, of slope. Uh So like it could have happened. And what they pretty much determined was the avalanche hit the tent, which gave them some of the low grade injuries, but weren't fatal. But then they were so scared of a subsequent avalanche. That's why they ran from the tent with none of their equipment. Um, which then killed them from hypothermia. So what you end up having is exactly what they found where you have a tent that was escaped from. And then, but nobody died within the tent. And then you have people scattered out across this slope with none of their gear. And they died of hypothermia away from their tent. Um, is because they were running away from an avalanche. Yeah. Um, again, it doesn't solve everything, but the, the way that they found this out was really cool. So they, utilized um the snow animations from the frozen movies in order to confirm their hypothesis. Yeah. And then a ton of math, which I don't understand. Um I'm I'm good at math, but I didn't take a lot of like physics course. I only took one physics course. It was hell. Um but anyway, so I can't explain it to you. But between the uh, Frozen animations, all the math and then the autopsy reports, they they're essentially and it's been peer reviewed that that's the most likely culprit of their death.
1: No, no, it doesn't. Why? Why do they? Why was there radiation?
0: Why were their bodies ripped apart? Well, it's where they were and then animals, probably. Their environment had the radiation. No.
1: Well, what do you think? I disagree with all these incredibly intelligent people who know much more than me.
0: Now you're starting to sound like a group of people that I don't enjoy. <laughs> and if you're a long-term fan of the show, you know who I'm talking about. And if you're not, you can take a guess because you're probably also right. <laughs> like, if don't you're...
1: act like we haven't hated on them on this show
0: before. We've called out their names. What, Flat Earthers? Yes. Well, I know, but I'm saying whatever came to mind, That's one you're, of those. you're yes. probably also right. Yes, also um, that. Yes. Yeah. Anti-vax, we've openly Yep. on them. We have. Ooh, crap. Beep. It's gonna you be a beep. a
1: beep. You can say whatever you want.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a beep. You oh, you've like... said multiple beep. Uh, one time, I had to bleep at them for like nearly thirty. <laughs> Rachel, you're making my job very hard. Rachel, <laughs> I leave that one in. I don't know. <laughs> you left that one in last time. Oh, that's the one. Yes. Oh, I thought it was something else. No, that was it. Okay, so you going to bleep that whole section. Yeah, out. I am. It's gonna suck, <laughs> and it's not good for their ears. You're bad. You're bad, bad. That's cool. Yes, that is what Cole says. Um, All right. So we're ready to get started. And of course, it starts with me because and here's the problem. Um, One, Rachel Dunn messed up. It still wouldn't have worked out very well. No, it would have worked out exactly like this. No, it wouldn't. No, I'm saying you done, that's yeah, what I said. Right. Either way, you still messed up. But also, um, we didn't think to do this in a smart way until we were already no. done. We
1: just kind of picked what we wanted to talk about rather than in a good order yeah in a
0: good order so essentially it's going to be me me and then Rachel Rachel and then so we me. wanted
1: to go in order of when the specials came out so we wanted to start with the first special and continue
0: onward yeah. which actually now that I think about it that'll be closer to our normal format which is fine yeah that's true but it's it'll like be you a lot then me, of me and then a than, lot of you yeah, well, that's, because it's a that's special that's what our which is fine. episodes always are I know but I'm just saying it's going to be a lot so if you don't like me, feel free to skip forward until after you hear the break. Uh, KG Whittington. That was KG that said that. No, right? it wasn't. It was da- Oh, it was Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Z. He didn't by say the way. he didn't like you. We just on. said you're his second I'm favorite. The second favorite in a two-person team, Dustin. <laughs> it's not your birthday anymore, so now I can gloat about it. I know. It's true. And uh, oh, and it's Z. He did correct us. Yeah, I which, saw that. Which we we said both. It was 50-50 shot, and we hit 50% Also, of if you don't like me... KG okay, is the one giving me crap about Houston sports, which I don't want to talk about. If you don't
1: like me and you want to skip, don't tell me because it will make me cry.
0: Yeah, don't tell me. She her uh, her skin is thin. Um, okay, so Area Fifty One uh, was our first special. Felt pretty good about that one. I um, felt. I think I. I think I felt good about all of our specials. I had a trouble with JFK, and I'll talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah,
1: trouble with it. But, I mean, I think they no, all no, ended it no. out. No, I, I don't think Jason. we did a
0: good job in JFK. Oh, Which okay. I'll talk about. I, it, was, it was the no, fact... No, no,
1: don't talk about it now. Yeah, Go I'll like, talk wait. about it during JFK. Don't say I'll talk about it and then start talking about it. Yeah,
0: fair enough. Um, but, no, Area 51 I felt good about. I think it's held up well over time. I didn't re-listen to it, so whatever. I could be totally wrong, could be crap. But um, some stuff has happened since then. N- notably would be um, the Bob Lazar documentary and the Bob Lazar... Um, What's it called? Interview with Joe Rogan, both of which I highly recommend. Um, so if you haven't seen them, um, check them both out. The documentary used to be on Netflix, but I think it's gone now. And uh, the interview obviously can be found on Joe Rogan's platforms, um, YouTube, or I think he moved to Spotify. Um, but they're amazing. Um, so the thing about Bob Lazar, especially when you see him speak live about it or, you know, on a podcast, but essentially it's unfiltered. Um he just seems so sincere, right? Like, the, and it's different than when you see the cutout, like, little interview pieces with George Knapp that we put in our special. Because those seem like the, the way that news was done back then was it seemed so just picked and choose. Yeah. And, and cherry pick. Well, picked. they still do that. Yeah, No, I know. But I mean, especially in the 90s, yeah, like, the, right. that was the style. Uh, or 80s, I guess it was 1989, I think. Um but yeah, when you see him just sitting there talking to Rogan and, and actually Joe said that, too, because he thought he was full of crap um, until he talked to him and he was just like, I don't know, it just feels different. And I, I actually get what he's talking about. Um, so Joe Rogan, obviously, like a lot of people don't like him, a lot of people love him, whatever. But two things I do recommend is mostly because of the guests. So it would be that and Flavor, like those things. I think you have to watch, especially if you like our subject matter. Um, but anyway, so those came out and. Um, Not too much to update as far as what we went over in our special. Um, It was the same story. So I just think that, again, the delivery is just so different. The documentary is really well done. Like, if you want just to re-dive into that story, go for it. But it's not too different than what we talked about. Um, But the delivery of him talking about his experience and, like, some of the technology that he talked about has now been revealed. And it's pretty much exactly as he talked about it and watching his face light up at that. uh, It's just different. So check that out. It must be very validating. Yeah. So, like... You haven't seen it, right? No. Um, he talked about uh, in the secret facility within Area 51, S5, S something, S3? Sure, go with that. S3, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a hand scanner that you would have to touch in order to get in, right? Yeah. And everyone was like, that doesn't exist yet or whatever. Well, it's been declassified and it did exist. He talked about it. So like, it's just one of the validating things that he was actually at the bare minimum In a secret facility. Right. Um, Because he talked about the hand scanner and everyone's like, it doesn't exist. The government definitely doesn't have that. And now we know that they have it and it matched his description perfectly. And so like Joe Rogan was like, hey, did you know that they came out with this? Like it's been declassified. And he was like, no, I actually hadn't heard about that. And he pulled up the picture and goes, yep, that's exactly what I was talking about. Like, this is what that is. This is what that is. Right. So, again, it validates that. That doesn't mean necessarily You know, he saw aliens, but I said he's not making it all up, everything, all of it. up. Yeah, exactly. Which we talk about extensively in the special. But but yeah, so those are two big media pieces that came out Um, as far as to like actual evidence pieces that came out. Not a lot. So the two things I'm going to talk about, um, one very briefly, so I might as well start there was um, Gabe Ziefman um, was is a pilot, private pilot, and he took photos and video flying over. uh, Well, not over. They say that, but along. Area 51 legally um, along the border. And he took really high um, quality pictures of the base um, that you can kind of compare back with like the satellite images. And it's just cool. There's nothing like going on. Right, it just on. looks cool. Yeah, it just looks cool. So check that out. Gabe Ziefman is the name. Um, I doubt they're going to give him permission to do that ever again. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, those are out there. And the second thing I thought would be fun to go over. Is the um I got a firsthand account by J. Oliver Conroy from The Guardian about him joining the raid area fifty one. Oh my god. Thing. So figure we should just talk about that for a minute. So um Again, I'm kind of going to read it. Uh, there's a section I'm going to skip, but I just wanted to kind of hear his voice because I thought it was funny. So in the middle of the Nevada desert, outside of a secretive U.S. military airstrip, I found the world's strangest social media convention. Dozens of young, good-looking, often-costumed people were running around filming each other with semi-professional video rigs. They were YouTube and Instagram stars, or more often inspire- aspiring stars, here to storm Area 51, air quotes. For the benefit of their followers and free the aliens held captives within... Um, or at least film themselves talking about it. Uh, joining them was a ragged army of hundreds of stoners, UFO buffs, punk bands, rubberneckers, European tourists, people with way too much time on their hands, and meme lords in Pepe the Frog costumes. Oh all, all here because of the internet, the ironic and earnest alike for a party at the end of the earth. Three months earlier, on June 20th, uh, 2019, podcaster Joe Rogan released an interview with Bob Lazar. Fun fact. Um, so whenever... The storming was happening um, or no, sorry, not when the storming was happening. When uh, Joe Rogan released this, uh, I was actually in the Denver airport when I was listening to it because I was flying back and forth a lot from Denver to here for work. Um, And so I was actually in the Denver airport, the Mecca of all evil and uh, watching the documentary and then following it up with the uh, or no, I did it the opposite. I I listened and watched the podcast and then watched the documentary while waiting for my flight because it got delayed due to bad weather. Um, yeah, so that was fun. Anyway, uh, I forgot where I was. Oh, Lazar is a cult figure in UFO circles. He claims to have studied flying saucers at Area 51, the classified Air Force base in Nevada, where the U.S. government is rumored by some to make secret contact with extraterrestrial beings. So Rogan's millions of listeners heard the interview, as I did whenever I was in the Denver airport. One of those listeners was Maddie Roberts, a college student, anime enthusiast and video gamer in Bakersfield, California, which is a terrible place with a huge thermometer. That's not <laughs> in the article. That's from my personal life experience. Um, inspired by I think that's Bakersfield. I, I don't think I'm wrong. Anyway, inspired by the Joe Rogan podcast, Roberts created a joke Facebook event. Quote, Storm Area 51, they can't stop us all. End quote. According to the plan, people would meet in Rachel, Nevada, the closest town to Area 51. in hey. the, Yeah, Rachel. In the early morning. Well, Rachel's not a great place. You shouldn't really be happy about that. I don't care. I like things being named after me. Even a crap. Do you it's know how many, better than nothing. Okay, it's going to be later. In, how many people live there? G- take a guess. I, enough people for it to be a town. Take a guess. I'm not going to guess. We've already
1: talked about guessing numbers. Guess. No. Take a guess. No.
0: One guess. Hey,
1: you know, what's interesting. You were born in a state with Rachel and I was born in the city Richardson. And your name is Richard.
0: I'm also a son of Richard. I know. I'm Richardson. Isn't that crazy? It was weird. Not really. Rachel's like three hours away from where I was born. Still. Uh, Anyway. Closest Rachel is the closest town to area 51 and also my wife in the early morning of 20 September then storm swarmed the bases and see for themselves that the government was hiding aliens things snowballed within hours the page had thousands of RSV RSVPs what did and they we, expect yeah and within days <laughs> it had more than a million the Air Force warned that things would end badly for anyone attempting a raid the uh, FBI paid a hapless uh, paid the hapless Matty Roberts a house call and he came up with a brilliant pivot. Why Not channel this momentum into a Burning Man style music festival in the desert? He joined forces with Connie West, the operator of Rachel's Soul Inn and restaurant, to plan what they called I Alien Style. I thought
1: you said Kanye West, wrong. no,
0: Connie West. <laughs> I was like, Who? No, Kanye's not into this. Um, he would be. What was I going to talk about? There was a oh, but if you didn't see it during the time, uh, Google. The Air Force's like PowerPoint presentation about oh. this. Um, there was, I don't know if it's legit, but there was a uh, meme going around where this dude who's in the Air Force had to like, was sitting in a presentation and it was like, they're claiming to do a Naruto run. This is what a Naruto run looks like. And it's like in the Air Force's like letterhead or whatever. And the dude like took a picture of it on his phone and was like, thanks to you idiots, I have to sit through this conference. Um, anyway, uh, so he came up with the brilliant pivots. Yeah, to talk, to work with Kanye West of Rachel, Nevada, <laughs> no, Connie West um, to plan what they called alien stock. Then f- came the first schism scornful of the Internet interlopers. The research alien research c- center in nearby Heiko, Nevada, decided to host its own Area 51 oh, event gosh. the same weekend for serious UFO ufologists. Um, and uh, even uh, Murphon. I think it's in a note later, but it, the big like UFO society was going to be there, right? Right. Um, So Robertson West pressed on, but the town of Rachel population, take a guess. I'm
1: not going to. One number. You can't make me. Just one number. You can't make me.
0: Please? No.
1: I did it last time. I embarrassed myself. I'm not doing it again. (laughs) So no. Yeah, but there's no stakes to this. You would have no idea. Just take a guess. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to.
0: Please. Just one guess. No. Pretty please? No fine number between one and a hundred no well it's below 100 (laughs) so population 54 uh which it would be it was population 51 that would be great so three people need to move out um where was i oh there it is so it lacked the infrastructure to handle thousands of conspiracy theorists and Um, gawkers descending descending on rural nevada
1: portland my favorite word
0: um, the local authorities feared potential calamity, a.k.a. people dying of dehydration in the desert, angry landowners and madmen with guns. So on the 10th of September, nine days before the event, Maddie Roberts backed out. He wanted no involvement in a FireFest 2.0, he told the media. <laughs> he accused West of being uh, insufficiently prepared for the coming flood, and Budweiser offered to sponsor a free alternative alien stock in a in a safe and clean venue in downtown Las Vegas, and Roberts urged people to go there instead. West, uh, refused to cancel the concert in the desert and she'd already sunk thousands of dollars of her own money into the event. So she told reporters as she, or she told reporters as she held back tears, alien stock would happen. She said, "whether people liked it or not. Now there were three rival events all happening on the same weekend, the one in Las Vegas, another in Rachel and the third in Heiko. And no one had any idea of how many people were coming to any of those events. Um, So the author says, I came equipped with a duffel bag of Hawaiian shirts and a case of vape cartridges, which I thought I could use as uh, currency as the. um, In the event of civilizational collapse in the desert, but the desert would wait. The Area 51 celebration in downtown Las Vegas did not get off to a promising start. When I arrived shortly after 7 p.m., the outdoor venue, heavily bedecked with glowing neon alien signage, was Mm -hmm. mostly empty. Except, except for cops and local newscasters. A DJ blasted dub, dubstep to a bare dance floor, and the venue even had a swimming pool bathed in green light and watched by a very bored-looking lifeguard. I feel, I feared it might be a long night, so I ordered a whiskey and water, and the bartender filled a plastic stadium cup to the brim. Then people started trickling in. Everyone was wearing their best alien-themed rave attire. One women, woman wore a shiny, discomfort, discomfittingly rubbery, that's not how is that a word? Discomfittingly? I've never heard that. Me neither. Um Oh, I guess doesn't fit comfortably. Um, would be my guess. Head to toe alien costume. Another had a Rick and Morty patterned dress, and three men tore up the dance floor in matching alien motif onesies. Someone carried a sign that said Green Lives Matter. A I I talked to two people who had driven six hours from Tucson, Arizona on a whim to attend. One was wearing a Flat Earth Society T-shirt, though he said it was ironic. And I spied Maddie Roberts in the center of a swirling mass of people holding court. He was wearing a Slayer hat and a black T-shirt. His long, dark hair flowed majestically down his back. And he looked like a heavy metal listening Mountain Dew drinking Samurai Lord surrounded <laughs> by courtiers and supplicants. I fought my way over. He was in high spirits, quote, I'm absolutely amazed at how things turned out, and it's incredible, end quote, he told me as he signed autographs. I opened my mouth to ask a follow-up question, but he was swallowed up again by the crowd. By around 9 p.m., there were a couple hundred people jerking spasmodically to dubstep. A woman who introduced herself as Cheryl, Cheryl, he <laughs> said, uh, was she was happily are happy to be at the rave, but disappointed she couldn't make the event in the desert. This is the first time since, uh, quote, this is the first time since Roswell that people like us are all coming together, she said. Even if nothing happens, we tried. The DJ interrupted his set to thank Maddie Roberts and give, quote, a special shout out to Bob Lazar, and the crowd cheered. A warm wind was whipping through the arena, and as the wind buffeted us and the rave lights flickered overhead, you can almost believe a UFO was really about to descend. The next morning, uh, I got in my rental car and headed north. The outskirts of Las Vegas, casinos, strip clubs, endless billboards for personal injury lawyers. Yep, that's my hometown (laughs) dropped away rapidly. Now there was just desert in every direction, stunning in its vastness and austere beauty. Mountains towered over the highway, surrounded by hilly plains of cacti and scrub. Soon, most human settlement was gone. There was nothing alongside the highway, no strip malls, no fast food joints, and I noticed worryingly few gas stations. I had at least two hours of driving ahead, and though I knew I was going in the right direction, every vehicle I saw was a police car, an RV, or a new satellite van. I drove, listening to right-wing talk radio, then Top 40, then country, then a Bible discussion, call-in show, then some Spanish-language stations, then static. A talk station interviewed the mother of a police officer killed by an undocumented immigrant. Sean Hannity made fun of the climate strike and every talk show discussed the New York Times recent partly retracted accusation against Brett Kavanaugh. It was, as I pointed out, yet another sign of bias in the liberal media. Apparently, the first gas station was bustling with people buying water and jerry cans of gas. In the parking lot, there was a camper marked Area 51. Here we come. (laughs) And finally, two hours north of Vegas, I saw a sign for State Route 375, also known since its formal renaming in 1996 as Extraterrestrial Highway. On the way to Rachel, I stopped at the Rival Festival in the Alien Research Center in Heiko. It was heavy on souvenir sellers, though there were some hardcore ufologists, a group called the Mutual UFO Network or MUFON, Gave me a pamphlet offering certification to be, quote, a field investigator. (laughs) If anything, the ufologists were more the exception than the rule. I had expected most Area 51 stormers to be conspiracy theorists, 4chan types, or people on the fringe political spectrum. But a lot, probably most, were normies on a lark or uh, foreigners in search of peak Americana. Two young men, one Swiss German and the other Japanese, told me they were friends who'd met at an en- at an English as a second language program in New York. And a group of Britons told me they'd been taking a road trip up the West Coast, heard about the Area 51 business and decided to take a detour. This was a common theme of, quote, well, i had been thinking about taking a road trip anyway. So uh, when my car turned the last switch back into the valley towards Area 51, the car radio there to four static suddenly started blasting Smetana's Ma... The last, an eerie crystal perfect sound. The aliens, it seemed, were classical music buffs. Rachel came into view a tiny one horse town besieged by cars and tents and camper vans, including the cops, EMTs, festival organizers, and so on. That looked to be a couple thousand people, not the two million who had RSVP'd to the Facebook event, nor the 30,000 the sheriff feared, uh, but more than I thought would follow through. Contrary to the wild warnings about a fire festival 2.0, things appeared to be mostly under control. Festival marshals waved me along to the assigned parking lot. My neighbors at the parking lot slash campsite were a punk band called Foreign Lifeform. <laughs> I, I missed That's that amazing. when I was skimming this before. I need to check them out. They weren't part of the planned music lineup. One lifeform explained as he ate Chef Boyardee room temperature from a can. <laughs> <laughs> but when they heard about alien stock, it seemed like fate. They were trying to find the concert organizer to get added to the billing to help seal the deal. They'd painted their faces and arms green. My neighbor, an erudite joint smoking history podcaster from Oregon, wore a T-shirt that said, take me to your dealer. And he and his son had made the shirts custom or had the shirts custom made. The life forms were disappointed they couldn't buy some. Getting to the actual entrance to Area 51 took another 20 minutes of driving on an unmarked, unpaved road. Clouds of chalk billowed behind the cars coming and going, and at the end of the road was a drab military checkpoint flanked by concertina wire and threatening signs. Rotating shifts of law enforcement officers of every variety, sheriff's deputies, state troopers, game wardens, park rangers, kept a watchful eye on everything, and they seemed relaxed, though... Uh, they looked like they were having a good, as good of a time as the ostensible stormers. After all, this was an excuse for them to hang out at Area 51 too. To my knowledge, no one actually raided Area 51 besides the two Dutch YouTubers who had tried to sneak through the perimeter two weeks earlier and ended up in jail instead. In addition to YouTube vloggers, Instagram influencers, there were also a few actual journalists. Watching them scurry around diligently with tape recorders reminded me that I needed to find a quirky character who could give on-scene color. A talkative UFO buff who would be ideal, but the journalists had already claimed most of the good ones. I couldn't avoid noticing a pair of men in large paper mache Pepe, the frog hats. <laughs> the vloggers loved them and the Pepe's enjoyed mugging for the camera. My God, a girl said they're adorable yeah. under their frog heads. The Pepe's were two young Latino guys from California. When I asked them what they thought about the frogs association with the alt-right one seemed confused and the other nodded in recognition, but claimed he just thought the symbol was fun. He said, it's all about the memes finished the other and they both laughed. I asked if it wasn't weird for them as Latinos to ab- embrace a symbol affiliated with white nationalists and quote, yeah, I mean, they're a little like extreme for me sometimes, one said, but sometimes you feel like they're right about some stuff. Oh my God. I said, like what? And he goes, like clown world. What? <laughs> what? Clown world. What? I like the idea that we're all living in a world of clowns, he clarified. So tendrils of fog hung over alien stock. alien stock. The temperature was dropping fast and the sun was low and pink in the sky. The sunset was sublime, but I had a long drive to my motel ahead and a sick feeling that I should have left an hour half hour ago. I bade farewell to the history podcaster and he reminded me that the area was open grazing land. So watch out for the steers. He said they go right out into the road. Very true. The next morning, I debated whether to squeeze in another trip out to Stock, but couldn't quite find the willpower. So that was the inside view on the.
1: I just want to talk about not the clown world thing. That's not as important to me. <laughs> the lady at, at at the Las Vegas party. Yeah. That said, I'm so glad we can whatever I'm gl- Like, I'm obviously paraphrasing, but like, I'm glad we can all be together. Maybe we won't find anything, but at least we tried. You went to a party. You didn't lady. even go to the desert. Like, oh, no. you didn't even go to Area 51. You're in Las Vegas.
0: Yeah. Two tried hours what? away. She, she didn't try anything.
1: You tried to party. Yeah. Which is great. Have a great time. But stuff acting like, like you like.
0: You're part of a movement. No, yeah. yeah. You're just at a party. Um, yeah, so anyway, it sounded whack. I'm not gonna lie, I am kind go. of like
1: forgot about it.
0: Well, yeah, there was not much to remember.
1: But I, I can't wait. You
0: know, here's the other thing. Whenever I was going to share that, I was like, you know, maybe some more happened than what like was covered. <laughs> Nothing more happened. I can't wait for the documentary that comes out. Nothing. It, there won't be There one. will be. There's no there way. It has
1: to be, and I'm going to watch it so Fire fast.
0: Firefest 2.0, that's what they call it. Uh,
1: did you ever watch that documentary?
0: No, you only told me watch about it. Watch
1: it. It is just dumpster fire and it's fantastic and i'm sure this would be exactly the same
0: yeah so let's take a quick break because i need to uh wet my whistle as old people would say i guess i'm gonna take a drink what is the podcast and take a break for you to drink you can just break it you can just say yeah i mean i can do that at any moment but we're 42 minutes in so yeah but we have a bunch of more things to talk about magic cut all right, back to it. So with the magic of editing, as Rachel said, we didn't take a break. We're right back. I yep. didn't need to wet wh- my whistle. I'm immortal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's glaring at me and I don't know why.
0: Oh, anyway. So this first one is. Oh, first, let's talk about the struggles of JFK. So the reason why I feel like it was pretty not great was um, it was our first collaboration episode with the uh, the Massive Light Fee guys, which, by the way, still check them out. They're still going. And they also have a new one uh, with Mark and his wife called Retro Light Fee. Great, great podcast. Um, Check them out, too. But the problem with that is I was so worried about their subject matter because they wanted to go over the film. JFK, right? Like that was our whole hybrid thing um, that I devoted way more time and effort to their thing. And I kind of screwed up ours. um, At least I feel um, a lot of people like that episode, but I honestly don't know why. I feel like it didn't do a very good job. Um, the research wasn't great. Um, et cetera. So don't check it out. Just listen to this. The, um, main things are, I feel like I didn't do a good job with the timeline and I feel like I didn't represent most of the conspiracies very well. So whatever. You mean like, it sounds like the whole thing. Yeah. The whole episode sucked. <laughs> we Well, no, but I felt like we did a great job talking about the film. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't great. It's my it's my least favorite special, I'll say, as far as our delivery. Not the content, though. I, I really like the content. JFK is actually the first conspiracy I ever um, believed and still believe at least aspects of which we'll talk about because there were some updates to it. Um, and it was the first conspiracy theory that brought me into conspiracy theories. Right. Because most of them I look at like, haha ha, that's funny. Yeah. Or like with the little bit of but what if it were true? But JFK is one that like there's a specific aspect that hasn't been debunked satisfactorily for me. And it's very scary to me as far as what the government can do, which we'll talk about because again, there was some light shed on that. So the first article is from CNN, uh, by Tom Patterson and it, um, again, so it being a special, I, I pulled some stuff out pretty much verbatim rather than doing my normal thing where I take bullet points and then I talk about it, uh, uh, extemporaneously. I, I, I'm actually going to just read their words because I picked two, um, pr- like prettily written. What's it called? Like purple prose, right? Like really pretty prose. Um, the first one I cut down pretty severely, but the second one I'm, I'm going to w- read pretty much word for word. Cause it's, uh, the most groundbreaking piece since we've talked about JFK. But, um, anyway, so if it sounds like I'm reading, it's cause I'm reading, I apologize, but I think the con- content is better that way, uh, for a special. So, it says uh, at one time or another, doubters of the lone gunman theory have accused 42 groups, 82 assassins and 214 people of being involved in the assassination, said author Vincent Bulgliosi, which Tom Patterson, again, is quoting. He says um, back to the article. So when reporters, producers or amateur historians want to check out the latest JFK conspiracy theory they call Dave Perry, quote, people think I'm an anti conspiracy guy. Uh, End quote. Perry sees Perry said at his Dallas area home, but there's one conspiracy theory that he's not ruling out. And we'll get to that in a minute. Kennedy assassination conspiracy theories. Perry said come in all degrees of interest and, uh, levels of obsession. They may believe the government was behind the nine 11 attacks or that the moon landings were fake. Both are upcoming Mm specials someday. Um, Those folks comprise of the off the wall crowd. The others, he said, read books, watch documentaries, and come to see come to less extreme conclusions. Which I included that quote because that's us, right? Like that's our whole podcast. And Perry, a 70-something retired former insurance claims adjuster from Massachusetts, has been digging through the JFK's assassinations records since 1976 to address those skeptics. Doubters ask him to check out the odd stories that pop up. Somebody claimed to be the grassy knoll shooter. Nope, he wasn't. Perry says he located and verified the authenticity of Oswald's long-lost wedding ring. Quote, I don't do the sexy stuff, Perry said. (laughs) I don't come out and say, I know who the grassy knoll assassin is. I'm the guy that goes into the county records building and looks up deed records. Most people don't get too wound up over that Perry Perry shared five conspiracy theories he believes rank among the most popular. So um, the reason why I chose this article is because I think it does a better job of summing up the conspiracy theories than I did in the original episode. But then also he's going to talk about the one he can't debunk that I agree with. So one, the most popular conspiracy theory LBJ had it done. Perry has shot this one down. It's quote, it's based primarily on statements made by Madeline Brown, who Perry described as, quote, a crackpot. Brown, (laughs) we did talk about this on the show, by the way, um, but Brown, who died in 2002, claimed to have had an affair with Johnson. She also claimed that LBJ had attended a party with ex-Vice President Richard Nixon, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, and others the night before the attack. According to Perry, Brown said that LBJ whispered into her ear Quote, after tomorrow, those Kennedys will never embarrass me again. That's not a threat. That's a promise. That's absolutely not true, said Perry, who said his research proved LBJ couldn't have been at the alleged party that night debunking Brown's story. Quote, a lot of Texans didn't like Johnson. They thought he was a crook. So as a result, they started creating this fiction after the assassination where he wanted Kennedy out so he could be president, Perry said. Uh, Quote, but we found no evidence and we know that all the other stuff that Madeline Brown said was contrived. Which is the conclusion we came to on the show, too. Right. So we did talk about that one Two, the military industrial complex. Did it? Nope, that doesn't wash either, said Perry. The claim is that Kennedy was, quote, sorry, quote, the claim is that Kennedy was going to pull American troops out of Vietnam and that the military wanted to pour more people into Vietnam. That's technically not correct. He talked about trying to resolve the situation, but he never made a claim he was going to pull out of there, which uh, that's end quote, by the way, which if you look at the historical Like context of this, like we have presidents claiming left and right that they're going to pull out of a place and never do it. So one that doesn't even claim to do it. Yeah. To give them that much fear. Like how many have talked about all the troops that are still in. Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Middle right. East, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I, again, come to the same conclusion. I don't think it was the military industrial complex, although the financial, like if they were convinced Kennedy was going to do it, the financial implications obviously would be there, but right. I, like, I don't think they were ever convinced of that. Three quote, the mob did it. That one's huge. Sorry, said Perry, no veracity to that. Um, There's at least three different groups that claim they independently did this. There's the Chicago mob, the Miami mob, and the New Orleans mob. But all the evidence is just hearsay. Four, quote, Oswald acted alone as part of an unknown conspiracy. It's possible there were individuals who helped Oswald, but who weren't part of any larger group or perhaps unaware of what he was planning. Quote, remember, John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln and four were hung, including the first woman ever to be hung by the federal government, Mary Surratt, he said. End quote. The... CIA did it. So this is the conspiracy theory that interests Perry the most quote. The problem is of all of them. This is the one I can't debunk. He laughs. Supposedly Kennedy was fed up with the shenanigans that the CIA was pulling. Perry said, Uh, quote, he found out that the CIA was trying to kill Castro, Fidel Castro, which is a fact. So the argument is that the CIA felt Kennedy was going to disband them. And as a result of that, they were the ones who were, who ordered the killing of Kennedy End quote. So, this article doesn't go into depth in that. And I think we talked about it in the special, but this is why this one's the most compelling. So there is a crackpot documentary. It was the first ever <laughs> um, conspiracy theory documentary I ever watched. And it's called uh, George Bush Killed Kennedy or something like that. I, I tried to get you to yes, watch it. Yes. You talk- and you thought and I it was crazy. This. There's a good points in, in that crackpot it documentary. Was nuts. It's wild, but there are good points. And there are points that are backed up by fact. So if you want to w- watch what uh, old... 17 year old or yeah, 17 year old RJ was watching on a Saturday afternoon when he probably should have been doing something better with his time. It was that um, I'm not saying I'm behind it 100 percent, but it did start me down the rabbit hole, which eventually culminated this podcast. So thank you. Correct. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Perry points out that a former head of CIA, Alan Dulles, was a member of the Warren Commission, the special Johnson-appointed panel tasked with the official investigation of the assassination. There are a lot of troublesome issues with the Warren Commission, which we talked about in the the special. The commission determined that Oswald acted alone, despite a lot of evidence to the contrary. Oswald was was a supporter of Soviet-backed Cuba. Quote, we know Oswald was in the Russian embassy in Mexico City. Perry said we even know who he talked to, but we don't know what was said. Then a few weeks later, he shoots Kennedy. Quote, it may have been something that they that they overheard involving him and the Russians, or maybe the CIA had Oswald on the payroll. He may have been a double agent. It's not possible. Is it possible that Russians ordered Oswald to do it? Not likely, said Perry. The Russians would never have ordered Oswald to kill Kennedy because of his well-known links to Russia and his pro-Cuban sympathies, which again was Soviet backed. Russia's leaders knew they would have been the first suspects if they'd engineered an assassination through Oswald. It would have been an act of war, which could have triggered a nuclear attack. Quote, we need to know what happened in Mexico City, Perry said. Perry thought the answer might have been revealed in 2017 when the Trump administration made a number of previously classified documents, CIA documents, related to the assassination that had been held by the U.S. National Archives. Perry said he was disappointed in those documents, which were released as part of the the 1992 Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act. Quote, they didn't release any of the good stuff, Perry said on Tuesday. Do they ever? (laughs) No. The documents, and we get into that, so that's the third part of this. The documents failed to release any new details about what Oswald said during his visit to the Russian embassy in Mexico City. So the next article I have is mostly about Mexico because we have new stuff in regards to that. But I wanted to kind of recap my thoughts on the CIA having done it. Um, So just to kind of like I said, high level recap of what's going on. Oswald had ties to the FBI, and mm-hmm. then he had ties to the military because he was in the military. Right. And then he had these forced ties to Cuba and Russia. Yes. Right. So obviously, and this is what Perry's talking about, it would be stupid for Russia to order an assassination through Oswald because of the known ties. Yeah. right? So what would if let's just live in a world where the CIA did it, who would they choose but someone to be a patsy, which is whatever everyone calls course. him, yeah. who has clear ties to that. Right. Well, and to Russia. Yeah. Because then it would immediately take the focus off the government.
1: Because they could easily look at him and say, well, why would he be? It wouldn't have been them. He has no tie to them. Right.
0: Specifically CIA as well. Right. Right. it's the
1: same as, well, like, if, like, just, a random person murders someone compared to, like, a family member or someone right. they're really close to. It's much harder but to tie down
0: that. Here's the thing, and this is why I think there is veracity to it. So so the next article kind of shuts down the Mexico angle, but I wanted to go over it because it's important. But the reason why I don't think it should shut it down entirely is why is this random nobody tied to embassies and, like,
1: right. big government agencies? I feel like he was... That is so weird. He was someone that they looked at and said... He's nobody, so we can...
0: But we can leverage it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but... And and again, it could be that he was so far bought into the communist stuff that yeah, he did right. it. Sure. Occam's razor, right? It's the simplest thing. But I don't know, man. It's just... Um, it is weird. And then the way the CIA handled everything was just very sketchy, right? Um. Anyway, so... Here's the next part. So this is by Gonzalo Soltero um, in The Conversation, and it's been widely quoted in a lot of different places. So it says uh, Kennedy was not killed by a gas powered trigger by a gas powered device triggered by aliens or by actor Woody Harrelson's dad. These are some of the weirder <laughs> um, conspiracy theories um, that have come out. Um, but several JFK assassination experts, like the former New York Times investigative reporter Philip S- Shannon, Uh, see Mexico as the best place to find answers regarding a possible conspiracy and who was behind it. Just a month before Kennedy's killing, Oswald took a bus from Texas to Mexico city. He arrived Friday morning, September 27th, 1963 and left very early on, on Wednesday, October 2nd, according to American and Mexican intelligence was Oswald kind of a rogue James Bond who went South of the border to consort with communists, Cuban revolutionaries and spies, or was he just a deranged killer? Mexico was a Cold War hotspot in the mid-20th century, a haven for Soviet exiles, American leftists fleeing the anti-communist persecution of McCarthyism, and sympathizers with Cuba's Castro regime. Every communist and democratic country had an embassy in Mexico City, and the only place in the Western Hemisphere where these enemies coexisted more or less openly. According to witnesses from the Cuban and Soviet diplomatic missions... Oswald visited their embassies repeatedly on Friday and Saturday. He was desperately seeking visas to those countries, which Americans were then prohibited from visiting. Uh, We talked about this in the special. Mm -hmm. Told such documents uh, would take months to process. Oswald got in a heated argument with the Cuban consul, Emilio. Oh, that's a tough one. As QA. I tried. Oswald also forced a KGB volleyball match on Saturday morning to be ca- canceled, which I love that the KGB <laughs> is having volleyball matches when he brandished a weapon at the Soviet consulate before bursting into tears and leaving. Right?
1: Oh, wow. OK.
0: First of all, let's go back to the KGB volleyball match. <laughs> right, like, Think about how pissed they were.
1: Oh, do you want to you want to ruin their volleyball you do match? do
0: not ruin Russian
1: <laughs> no. volleyball
0: match. Um, yeah, no, that was a terrible. Exit. I love I love. Excuse me. <laughs> it wasn't good. That's a top 20 accent for me. But your accents aren't great. <gasps> it was at the bottom of the list. Right. Because it's not that good. That's no, true. It's not good. My dad's is pretty good. Mine's not great. You know what? Hold on. I need a break to Oh,
1: heal. my God.
0: I don't feel better, but I'm ready to continue. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm just kidding. Um, Those events were well documented by the CIA, which in the 1960s had ramped up its Mexico. I can do a better accent. No, I'm not going to, but I can keep going, please. It's Mexico operations to monitor communist activity, even hiring 200 Mexican agents to help. The Mexican Secret Service, whose 1960s era files Mexico at, at. Whose 1960s era files uh, Mexico has recently begun to declassify also tracked Oswald on September 27th and September 28th, 1963. Oswald's, Oswald's whereabouts, whereabouts for the next three and a half days, however, remain unknown. A main conspiracy about Oswald's undocumented time in Mexico City puts him in contact with dangerous Mexicans on the left side of the Cold War. This story originated in March 1967 when the Americans consul, when the American consul, um, in the Mexican coastal city of Tampico, Benjamin Royal was buying drinks for local journalists. One of them, Oscar Contreras Lartigue, Lartigue, I don't know, a 28-year-old reporter for El Sol de, T- El Sol de Tampico, told Rule or Royal, R- Rule, I'm going to roll with Rule, but that's harder to say. Just letting you guys know, RJ took Spanish in college, no, it was still my only, this bad at hold it. Hold on. So I had a four point one GPA until I took Spanish in college and it is the only class Spanish one, two, three and four because I had to take two full years, but four semesters of freaking Spanish that single handedly dropped me to a three point eight. I'm very upset about it. Was, it was really great to find something. He it was, was so bad. at? Horrible. Was I was so, so bad, bad at, at Spanish Um Man, it's just the hits keep coming for me today, huh? <laughs> you had to bring that up. You're just making it really easy. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, yeah. You're in the middle of butchering a word. <laughs> it was a man's name. So we told Relay that he'd met Oswald in 1963 when he was a law student at Mexico's National Autonomous University. Contreras said he'd been in a pro Castro. Oh, sorry. One of them, Oscar Contreras, Lartigue, right? So he now, like refers Uh to him as Contreras. I just wanted to point that out because it confused me when I first read it. Anyway, so Contreras said he'd been in a pro-Castro campus group and that Oswald had begged his group For help getting a Cuban visa, according to Contreras, Oswald spent two days with these National Autonomous University students and then met up with them a few days later at the Cuban embassy. Evidently afraid for his life, Contreras wouldn't tell Roulet much more. He said he himself had traveled to Cuba, knew people in the Castro regime, and had blown up the statue of a former Mexican president on campus in Mexico City. Contreras feared persecution for his political activities. Contreras did say that this wasn't the first time he was sharing this story, though. After JFK was shot, Contreras told Relay he'd commented to his editor that he'd recently met Oswald. Contreras's account hinted at suspicious, previously unknown connections between Oswald and communist Cuba made shortly before JFK's assassination. So this has been kind of grabbed onto as like, OK, it's official. It wasn't the U.S. government. It was a connection to yeah. communist Cuba. Right. Well, here's the problem with that. His story was, according to a memo later sent from CIA headquarters, quote, the first solid investigative lead we have on Oswald's activities in Mexico. U.S. government officials needed to find out if Contreras was a trustworthy source. Three months after Roulet's happy hour... A CIA official from Mexico City went to Tampico to question Contreras. During the six-hour interrogation, Contreras still refused to go into details, but he did say Oswald never mentioned assassination, only that he'd repeatedly said, repeatedly said, quote, he had to get to Cuba. In 1978, a researcher from the U.S. House Select Commission on Assassinations named Dan Hardway uh, went to Mexico to investigate the JFK assassination. He was unable to interview Contreras despite several attempts, but in an influential report, he warned his account should not be dismissed. The New York Times reporter, Shannon, um, who interviewed Oscar Contreras for a 2013 book on the JFK assassination, also found Contreras credible. Shannon wrote that Contreras, whom he calls a, quote, prominent journalist, quote, went much further, In their interview than he had with the CIA, alleging, quote, far more extensive contacts between Oswald and Cuban agents in Mexico. Dan Hardway, who is now a lawyer in West Virginia, still believes Contreras. After reading Shannon's book, he reiterated in 2015 that Lee Harvey Oswald might have been a part of a wider Cuban intelligence web. Okay, so again, this would counter the prevailing thought that the CIA was behind it. Yeah, right. it would be that it was. Here's where it gets sketchy, right? Okay. Because the CIA is now pushing this, saying, no, this is the narrative. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, again, the Patsy line is perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here's why it's sketchy for people to be trying to push this narrative. So, in this reporter's investigation, right, um... Oscar Contreras died in 2016, so he couldn't interview him himself. But in this reporter's investigation, a minute detail of his, of his biography grabbed my attention. I'm, I'm speaking, I'm reading the reporter's writing, right? So my attention, but it's the reporter. An apparently overlooked contradiction that could undermine the, undermine the entire story. In Contreras' telling, he fled to the national, or he fled the National Autonomous University campus and moved to Tampico around 1964, Yet Contreras also allegedly told his, quote, editor about his encounter with Oswald after the 1963 Kennedy assassination. College newspapers aren't common in Mexico, and Contreras was a law student. So how could he have an editor in 1963? I thought yeah. in his hometown paper, El Sol de Tampico, Tem- Tem- uh, might the son of Tampico. Hey, look might, at you. Hey. All right. Spanish. <laughs> Castellano, as the people of Spain would say. mm mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, Spanish scrambled my brain. I have no idea where I was. Oh, gosh. It's giving me flashbacks. Um, so we thought the hometown paper El Sol de Tampico might hold the answer. Digging through its archives, I found the newspaper ran a Sunday gossip column in the early 1960s called Crisol or Melting Pot. Oscar Contreras became the reporter for Crusole on June 6 of 1963 and continued writing the gossip column in September and October that year. While Lee Harvey Oswald was in Mexico City, Contreras was 300 miles away in Tampico. In flamboyant prose, faded back issues of the local paper show, he chronicled the sumptuous weddings and receptions and quinceañeras and riotic surgeons of Tampico's high society. Hardly... A hard-hitting reporter type, right? right. But also the timeline is wrong. Uh Uh-huh. So I believe the Sol de Tampico archives discredit Contreras' account, right? Again, this is in the 60s. It's not like he was working remotely. Yeah, that's not a thing. A political correspondent may live far from where his newspaper is published, but for a gossip columnist, that would be a dereliction of duty, right? Yeah. Yeah. so, again, if he was a political correspondent for El, Tem- El Sol del México, he might be in Mexico City. But he's a gossip columnist actively writing articles about gossip.
1: Well, and about things that are happening there. It, there. Yeah.
0: 300 miles away. So I believe, um, oh, I just read that part. A political, oh, just read that part. <laughs> um, this revelation uh, plunges Oswald's fall 1963 trip back into the dark. There are other conspiracy theories, including that Oswald had, quote, a Mexican mistress who took uh, him to a party of communists and spies. Uh, But it's more likely Mexico holds no hidden clues to J.F.A.'s assassination. Conspiracy theories offer assurances of depth and closure, a promise that the biggest enigma of the 20th century is solvable. But from what we know of what Oswald did and didn't do in Mexico, he was a volatile disorganized loner who couldn't even handle travel logistics. JFK's assassination is a cold case. And in Mexico, only exhausted leads remain. So again, they're grasping at these straws that, oh, he definitely was an agent of Cuba, right? Just
1: basically anything that would, that shines the light away from them. Away from them.
0: Yeah. Which I'm not saying the CIA did it. I'm saying it is a sketchy pattern. The CIA is looking sketch. Right. Looking sus. I mean, it's the same as if you murdered somebody and then, Like any time the other primary suspect had even an inkling, you were like, Oh, we devoted all these resources to making sure that inkling was true whenever it's clearly not true. Right. So anyway, um, here's another thing. It's the last part about JFK's uh, murder. It's about, um, a lawsuit filed in December of 2003 that has now been picked back up, uh, for seeking records to clarify the CIA's response to JFK's murder. So this is by, Jefferson Morley on found on just security.org. Um, anyway, so it says my lawsuit filed in December, 2003 sought records to clarify the CIA's response to JFK's murder. After Kennedy was killed, the Dallas police department immediately picked up an ex Marine named Lee Harvey Oswald and claimed that he shot the president. Oswald denied the charge and was killed in police custody. The next day, killed by Jack Ruby, a, potential mob mob contact that's how that came in um, a year later a commission of Washington insiders concluded that Oswald acted alone and unaided. JFK's death was not politically motivated, it was proclaimed. As the biographer of two top CIA operations officers who were deeply knowledgeable about the events of 1963, I don't find the official story of a lone gunman to be credible. The CIA men I wrote about did not believe it, not in the privacy of their thoughts and actions. They knew far more about Oswald, the supposed assassin, before JFK was killed than they disclosed to investigators. Declassified records and interviews demonstrate that the agency settled on a story of a own gunman in order to conceal its deep pre-assassination interest in Oswald from law enforcement, Congress, and the American people. With the help of Jim Les- Lessar, a veteran FOIA, Freedom of Information Act litigator, I sought to learn more via a request for information about the Miami-based CIA operative named George Jonaitis, who, uh, uh, handled sensitive matters for senior officials in Langley. The request turned into a long running lawsuit. Thanks to a unanimous December 2000 appellate court decision issued over strenuous CIA obligations, I obtained more than a thousand pages of material. The redacted Joanna's, or Joanna, Joannides? Uh, I don't know. Joannides, I think. I've never had this much trouble with names before. (laughs) Um, Files illuminated two previously unknown aspects of the JFK story. The first was Joannides' role in a authorized and and undeniable... in an authorized and deniable CIA psychological warfare operation that generated propaganda about Oswald, a job evaluation from 1963 revealed Joannides ran a CIA funded anti Castro student group, the, the Cuban student directorate known by the codename Amp Spell within 48 hours of J, JFK's death. Joannide's agents published the first JFK conspiracy theory claiming Oswald and Cuban leader Fidel Castro were, quote, the presumed assassins, right? Uh So the CIA was already pushing this two days after his death. The second story revealed by my lawsuit was Joannide's obstruction of a congressional investigation. In 1978, after the Watergate era revelations about CIA abuses, Congress reopened the JFK probe by creating House Select Committee on Assassination, which we talked about in the special. The agency called Joannides out of retirement to serve as liaison with the committee investigators. He shut down their inquiries. Uh, Even after direct questioning, he did not disclose the Oswald Amspell activity. A 1979 job evaluation praised Joannides as, quote, the perfect man for dealing with the committee. In 1981, he received the agency's career intelligence medal for exceptional achievement, which the reasons for those are never given out unless I'm mistaken. Um, Intrigued, I sought to obtain another 330 records about Joannides that um, I'm totally butchering that name. I know it, but I don't even know what nationality it is, so I can't take a guess (laughs) um, that the agency uh, withheld on grounds of, quote, national security. Whoa. Um, Yeah. So he tried to 330 records that was national security. Couldn't take it in June of 2010. So obviously let's recap because this is a hard, not a hard to follow article, but it's not super clearly written like the other ones were. Joanne Lides is clearly a CIA operator, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's what they're establishing and was already actively pushing the Cuba connection two days after the death. Right. So that's really what I'm talking about. And that's why I started with the other articles. Um, Uh Huh. <laughs> In June 2010, the U.S. Court of Appeals rejected any arguments and said that the CIA had compiled with the Freedom of Information Act. The substantive part of the case was over. I then asked the court to order the government to pay for costs of my litigation, namely Lazar's feed a fee for hundreds of hours of time he spent crafting the arguments that freed the Joanna's Joannides' files under the FOIA. The government is required to pay court costs. If the plaintiff has quote, substantially prevailed the laws designed to incentivize the government to follow the FOIA and to compensate citizens, reporters, whistleblowers who seek information in the public interest. One of the four factors I thought, or one of the four factors in awarding legal fees is whether the information sought has the potential to benefit the public. I thought I cleared that bar easily. The New York times, Fox news, associated press, Politico and USA today covered Morley V CIA, his law case, Mm -hmm. right? The, um, Washington post and two dozen other mainstream news sites published the AP story. The times and other sites published a photo obtained via FOIA, um, Which showed Joannides receiving his medal in December 2011, court district judge Richard Leon dismissed my request for legal fees, asserting the litigation had uncovered little of substance. I appealed in June 2013, the court of appeals reversed Leon's decision in July of 2014, Leon threw out my case on different grounds in January 2016, the appellate court reversed him again. Throughout this legal slog, the CIA and Justice Department's lawyers have insisted there is no public benefit to the disclosure of Johannide's JFK-related activities. Move along, says the CIA. There's nothing to be learned in the Oswald Amspell story or in the ancient Johannide's files that contain sensitive, valuable national security secrets. Last July, on a fourth hearing, a divided three-judge panel dismissed my case. Now, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, in his last decision, which is weird that he came up twice today. That's the weirdest thing. In his last decision before he rejoined the high court, assessed the value of my FOIA lawsuit as, quote, small. Judge Karen Henderson, the senior judge on the D.C. Court of Appeals, issued a stout dissent, saying, I clearly deserved to have my court costs paid. Kavanaugh's decision, she declared, quote, ignored our precedent and misapplied our mandate, end quote. Findings. So what has Morley v. CIA revealed about JFK's assassination? For 16 years, I resisted definitive conclusions about Joannide's role in the events that led to JFK's death. I truly wasn't sure. I wanted to see the CIA's record on the subject first. I awaited the promise of the JFK Records Act of 1992. Full disclosure, the law passed unanimous, unanimously by Congress mandated the release of the government's JFK files within 25 years. That is to say, 2017. The promise, alas, was betrayed by President Trump. He used the one loophole provided in the law, allowing for con- continued postponement of release of assassination records. Trump, the the conspiracy theorist, certified that disclosure would co- would cause, quote, an identifiable, identifiable harm to the military defense, intelligence operations, law enforcement or conduct of foreign relations. And that, quote, um, The identifiable harm is of such gravity that it outweighs the public interest in disclosure, right?
1: You, like, you cause as much harm by not disclosing it, by saying that.
0: Well, unless it is damning evidence, right? That's what he's getting at, No, I get that, but I'm
1: just saying, like, it's kind of one of those where it's like when you ask somebody... Well, did
0: this person do this? And they're like, "Well, I'm not answering." And I can neither confirm nor deny. Right, you gave me an answer. So, in in October 2017, White House directive: Trump stated he had quote no choice, which is a curious phrase, but to allow federal agencies to continue to withhold thousands of JFK assassination files from the public view, including the Joannides files. In April 2018, the National Archives reported that 15,834 assassination records remain redacted, most of them by the CIA and FBI. These files will remain sealed until April 2021, coming up at the earliest. No brainer on secret JFK files. The continuing secrecy around thousands of JFK files surprises Judge John Tönheim, former chair of the Assassination Records Review Board, the ARRB. The ARRB is a a a civilian review board that declassifies hundreds of thousands of JFK files in the mid-1990s. Declassified, excuse me quote my assumption was that all the remaining records would simply be released in 2017 Tunheim now the senior federal judge in Minnesota told me in an interview quote at that point in time 1998 our thinking was that there was no legitimate reason to withhold information about how we collected information 50 years ago There that there would be no legitimate reason for protecting things that were that old the agency's stance on the Johannine's files is particularly obtuse Tunheim said in 1998 the JFK Review Board asked the agency to provide relevant Johannide's files. The agency handed over exactly 11 pages of material. The CIA fooled the board, quote, fooled the board about the extent of the Johannide's files, Tunheim said. Quote, we would release them in full today without a moment's hesitation, he said. It's a no brainer. Of course, the fact that the CIA is sitting on thousands of JFK files in 2019 does not necessarily mean the U.S. government is hiding evidence of a conspiracy in 1963, as President Obama said in a 2019, in 2009, excuse me, memorandum, quote, the problem of overclassification is endemic in the federal government. I'm pretty sure that 95 percent of the still secret JFK files are historically irrelevant. It's the remaining 5 percent, however, that interests historians, researchers, journalists and students. The files I saw in my lawsuit are are case in point. They do not contain evidence that Joanna's Joannides plotted against JFK's life. They contain plenty of evidence that he abetted those who did. After Kennedy was dead, he wasn't in Dallas when JFK was killed. He helped run the cover up in Miami and Langley afterwards, and he died in March of 1990. I did not take my courses to my case to the Supreme Court to vindicate any conspiracy conspiratorial interpretation of JK's death. I pursued new information to fill out the fact pattern around the assassination with confidence that people can make up their own minds about what it shows. My reading of the evidence confirms conforms with that knowledge, with that of knowledgeable observers, attorney general Robert Kennedy concluded his brother was ambushed by enemies in his own government. And so did widowed first lady, Jackie Kennedy. Two astute contemporaries, Fidel Castro and Charles de Gaulle, also believed that Kennedy fell victim to a conspiracy emanating from within the U.S. security forces. Castro was a battle-hardened Marxist revolutionary, and de Gaulle was a continental conservative snob. They they knew, as well as anyone, the workings of American power and the machinations of the CIA. More recently, Rolf mowat Larson, a... <clears throat> retired CIA station chief and just security editor told a conclave of retired spies that he believes if the CIA were responsible for JFK's murder, it was certainly, it was likely certain rogue CIA officers in Miami. Hmm. Uh, Morley VCIA produced documentary evidence consistent with the Castro de Gaulle Larson interpretation of November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, though Joeanneides files laid bare agency operations around Oswald. Joanna's propaganda agents among anti-Castro Cuban students created a plausible public record in intelligence parlance, a legend that uh, Oswald was a leader of a pro-Castro group called Fair Play for Cuba Committee, the FPCC in New Orleans. The FPCC was a popular socialist organization with 30 chapters on college campuses that defended Castro's revolution, which had abolished racial segregation and redistributed land to poor people. The CIA... Operation that monitored and manipulated Oswald emerged from a joint CIA-FBI program known as COINTELPRO, short for Counterintelligence Program. COINTELPRO sought to undermine and destroy civil rights and anti-war organizations from 1958 to 1974. According to this declassified memo, the CIA was conducting a secret operation against the FPCC as of September 1963, two months before the assassination. Mm -hmm. Joannides was involved. Within hours of Oswald's West arrest, his Amspell agents in the Cuban Student Directorate fed reporters the story that the president had been killed by a leader of the FPCC. One of those Amspell agents was Jose Antonio Lanuza, a retired school teacher in Miami. Lanuza served as a spokesman for the CIA-funded Cuban Student Directorate in 1963. According to a JFK library memo, the Cuban students received $51,000 a month from the CIA. On the night of November 22nd, 1963, Lanuza recalls a group communicated or recalls the group communicated with a group CIA handler, Joanne Ides, whom he knew as Howard. Lanuza also recalls speaking with a dozen local and national reporters about the connection of Kennedy's accused killer to the pro-Castro FPCC. The next day, the Amspel information fueled headlines that the American president had been killed by a pro-Castro assassin, quote unquote. We were used by the people who wanted to make Oswald take all the blame for killing Kennedy, Lanuza said in an interview. We were ideal cover for using the theme of Oswald being a Castro supporter. Somebody wanted to build up that story, and that's where we came in. The first day spell publicly blitzed, or uh, the first day cell. Um, publicity blitz did so much to convince the public that a liberal president had been killed by a communist. But was it true? Under investigation, Oswald denied shooting Kennedy. He told reporters that he was a patsy. And the next day he was shot dead in police custody by a Dallas nightclub owner with organized crime connections. These shocking and baffling events gave birth to a thousand conspiracy theories. I took my case to the Supreme court to bypass the theories and get the facts to complete a historical record of critical moment, of a critical moment in which American democratic institutions were attacked, a record that the American people do not yet fully possess. CIA medal. So perhaps the biggest single revelation generated by Morley v. v- CIA was the medal given to Joanne Ides. Um, inside the agency, one might say that Joanne Ives protected the agency's, quote, sources and methods around the Oswald Amspell FPCC operation. And outside the agency, you could say he was honored, at least in part, for per- perpetuating the JFK cover up. House Select Committee on Assassination General Counsel G. Robert Blakely, now emeritus professor at the Notre Dame Law School, told PBS Frontline that Joannides had obstructed Congress's investigation of felony. Was he concealing the existence of a CIA operation to falsely blame Oswald for killing JFK or was or was it just CIA incompetence? Absent full disclosure, um, definitive conclusions are elusive, um, which makes sense. Morley VCIA fell short of getting the whole story, and the agency identified but never released 330 Joannides files I sought. These include 44 documents from 1963 and 1978, which concern Joannides' cover and, quote, intelligence methods. They are the key to the JFK story. I suspect they identify the senior agency officers who authorized psychological warfare operations that linked Oswald to Castro's Cuba before and after JFK was killed, And according to the agency, not a single word contained in these antique records, even with any uh, potentially appropriate redactions for sources and methods, can be made public in 2019 without threatening, quote, national security. Given that most of the records in question are more than 50 years old, the claim seems far fetched, if not suspicious. Nonetheless, the federal courts agree it is accurate, entirely unreasonable. The question now before the Supreme Court is not conspiracy. The question is accountability and how far the FOIA seeks to ensure it. In the July 2018 majority opinion, Kavanaugh ruled the CIA acted, quote, reasonably in spurning my JFK queries. Judge Henderson countered that the government's actions were, quote, entirely unreasonable and I should be awarded court costs. The high court now has the opportunity to decide and the answers are a long time coming. So that was written fairly recently. I'm pulling it up right now. That was written on April 30th of 2019. So I'm going to try to find some more information on how this has progressed, but if you want something to be pissed off about or put in FOIA requests about it, I would think it would be a Joanne Ides. um, because I agree with them. I think that's kind of the missing piece. Yeah, definitely there. But, um, yeah. So again, long winded update, but to me, I'm kind of doubled down on the whole CIA part of it. Like at least at the bare minimum in the sense that they knew they could be implicated. And so they're doing all this actively. Right. I think doing this actively if you didn't have anything to hide it would be so stupid
1: would be a huge waste of your time. Yeah. So an effort. Um, but I also think if we found out, like if we were proven right, that the CIA did it, the chaos that would cause is
0: well again. So to me, what I, and I think I said this in the special, if not, it's how I feel. So I'm going to say it again. Um, but I do think I said it to me. It's about, I bet that they found out that someone acted rogue and so then the entire they felt the need
1: to cover it. The right. entire
0: organization for the security of the US. Well,
1: because human the normal people are gonna look at that and say the CIA killed John F. Kennedy. They're not right. going to say it was one individual one yes. crazy person or one person or who went off group. the deep end or yeah. whatever. No, they're gonna say the CIA did it. Right. So and, I can't and, and, say and I blame them
0: for that if that's what Happened. That's exactly what I think happened. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, and like I said, when something as big as killing a president occurs, it's likely not one single person, right? No. So whether or not it's Castro, whether or not it's CIA, or whether or not it's one of each, right? A Cuban contact and a CIA contact, right? right? They could have been working together. Like it does. Everybody would work and scramble. I mean, again, and like he, actually, I may have cut it from this article, but someone said, you know, this was an event. Similar to nine eleven for the generation after, right? Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like, or like, and again, this article is written uh, before all this, but like well, similar to the, um, what just happened on January 6th, the Capitol right. uh, storming and like all these other events, like the, these are major events. So for the government to try to do something about them, whether or not we agree with that, like that makes sense to me, you know, yes. like for them to then spur action off of this. I mean, hell, we hadn't lost one since Lincoln, you know? Also-
1: if anyone believes that an organization, especially one run by the government that big, hasn't doesn't have a whole lot of nasty skeletons in their yeah. in their closet. Well, or, you're, you know, a sorry, couple of
0: a couple of severe extremists. Yes. You know, of that like, are still just operating. Of course. Right. I, like
1: it. It just doesn't make sense to me that you could look at the CIA or the FBI or any again, any of those organizations and be like, no, they're clean. Their hands are clean. Exactly. No, they're not. And they can't be because we're humans and humans make mistakes and do dumb things and all those kind of things are. And even if the whole CIA was in on it, that wouldn't surprise me either.
0: It wouldn't surprise me. But again, so it's less I likely. Think that, but. that's the thing that where it falls apart is like because people do assume that they're like the whole CIA. was. In, no, man, like if you're going to do something this sketchy, you would keep that audience as small as possible. Right. Yes. Joannides,
1: Right. Like you would. But at the same time. Even so, killing Lincoln, obviously, was much easier at the time, than killing JFK, just because the availability of security was so much less, the technology, all those things was just less, right? So even then, then, compare
0: that to like you know Biden now, like right, you know I mean right. it's insane. So even
1: then, he had buddies, right? Like so, no one, especially anyone who was going to take on killing the president, but then also did it, succeeded. Could have done this by themselves. That's impossible. You yeah, I needed to, There was too much information to know. There's too many things that yeah. the normal human well, wouldn't have known.
0: Going back to. The root of the whole conspiracy side of things, like the way it was handled, I can understand of just like incompetence, panic, like a bunch of, yes. you know, I mean, just trying Especially, to do.
1: Yeah, they didn't know. But
0: the sketchiest part to me still remains like all the protocols that were broken that day, like mm-hmm. all the various patterns that was just like. Yep. I don't know. So, I mean, yeah. Whether or not, like, it is my firm belief some people were involved. It's also my firm belief that not many people were involved, because that's how you keep something under wraps. Yeah, you get people that you can
1: trust who are in a position of power that agree agree with you, and then you don't tell anyone else.
0: Right. Right. Um, But yeah, so that's my JOK update. And honestly, it's a little bit of catharsis, because now I feel like we actually did it some justice. There you go. Um, But just like everything else, like, if anything else pops up, if something moves with this, um, you know, we'll update you now because now we have a vehicle to do that so um we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to rachel's stuff
1: so the other way that we kind of messed up this uh obviously we couldn't have known this before we started talking about it but uh yeah there's just not a lot on the other three so rj got to talk a lot and exhaust himself, and I just don't have a lot to say.
0: Yeah, and I really do want to say, like, obviously, like, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't go into it thinking, oh, you know what? This is going to be our comeuppance for JFK. It was just that the things that happened to move that I caught up with, like, were the things that we gapped on. So it worked out. But, yeah, that wasn't intentional. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Um. Okay, so first we're talking about Bigfoot. So there's nothing like...
0: Bigfoot's always going to have little There's news updates. about yeah. Bigfoot. Like, yeah. it,
1: there's nothing... Insanely Until the huge, big news of hits, course, which
0: then we won't wait for a special. Slash if. Yeah. Not
1: to feel like did it. Did I just did. say when? Yes, you did. When. All right. Um, so I'm just gonna talk about a few things. So we talked about Bigfoot in like I think I looked at it, it was like May of 2019. I'm just gonna talk about some things that have happened since then. Um so on January 12th of 2020, two men in Ohio, were going on a walk through Salt Fork State, Salt Fork State Park. Um, they were just going like, on kind a normal hike. Like they weren't very far in the woods or anything. And, um, they saw and got pictures of what they believed to be Bigfoot. The men stated that they had seen a hairy, extremely tall man-like creature
0: walking on two feet.
1: Um, also though, Salt Fork State. It was just my
0: dad. Yeah, I think right. I made that same joke during the I'm <laughs> sure you did.
1: Uh, I'm sure your dad appreciated it both it's not times. not that tall, but. Um, Salt Fork State Park is actually one of the, um, one of the places that has the highest amount of uh, Bigfoot sightings, and he that it is believed that that's like where he lives, where, where too, according this? to a lot of people, Ohio. Ohio, okay. According to a lot of people, they that's where he lives. Um, so I'm going to a lot of the things I'm going to need are just going to have to. We're going to have to put up on because they're pictures. Um, so I'm just going to show you, RJ. Why? Why would we do this? Okay. So here's the picture.
0: Doesn't look that tall, but. I yeah, mean, it serious. looks
1: like the person is above them, kind of. Yeah,
0: it looks like they're in a tree stand.
1: Yeah. And then go to the next picture. There's a little arrow next to it. Well,
0: that that looks like Much a blurrier. Yeah. yeah.
1: But it is clearly a figure walking through the woods, through trees. It looks decently clear. Many, many people laughed at it and talked about how fake it looked. But
0: I don't know if I brought this up. During the special, I think I did timing wise, but there was also a very compelling video. Um, uh, well, two, one... If you look up like a car chased by Bigfoot, that one was big. And I mm-hmm. think I talked about that one. And then I think I talked about the other one, too. But it's also just because I'm always looking at Bigfoot. But um, there was also a video of some Bigfoot looking thing, like walking across a uh, valley, like a snow covered valley. So it's a very clear and distinct silhouette that is moving way faster than a human could and not in a way a bear could. So I would check check out both of those, even if you did a couple years ago. Just do it again because it's cool and it'll give you the goosebumps.
1: So then um, in March 2020, all of a sudden on um, Turkey Mountain in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was like within like a week, there was like 15 reports of people seeing Bigfoot, just like consistent ones. They said, this is not a place where we normally...
0: Yeah, so it's probably like an of, actual physical thing. Yeah, Even if it's not Bigfoot, it's right. something.
1: Um, so, of course, they investigated it and so far.
0: Couldn't find anything. Has
1: found nothing. Um, and then um, in Colorado on Mount Sherman in early of January of 2021, the Washington State Department of Transportation, this was pretty interesting, um, posted on their social media sites two photos that were taken by their cameras, like their uh, trail cams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they believed that they were Bigfoot. So, I'm going to show you.
0: That's exciting. Yeah, so one is just kind
1: of like uh looks just like like a mountain, it's just the side of a mountain with like a bunch of snow and it's just clearly like something large and black walking and then another is um like a like the side of a mountain with a road next to it and then there's another side um and it's it's interesting because you can see tail lights so someone had driven by and like the figure is just behind a bunch of trees right next to the road. So if they just happened to like go at the right time, it would have they maybe would have seen whatever it was.
0: Oh, that the first one is interesting because he has like snow on his back. Yeah. Oh, that is a total humanoid, which is weird.
1: And but it looks very large. It does. I would need. It's hard to tell because it's just like a white expanse yeah, of mountain. Yeah, they, they would
0: need to do like the math to get the height on this. Because to me, to be honest with you, as much as I want to believe it, it, looks like, um, like a dude a in hiking gear or a bear. And to me, it just looks like snow gear because it's like puffy. Yeah, not really. F- uh, what's it called? Furry. Oh, this. Oh, that is weird. Right, like it the looks, second one is very weird. It
1: looks like the guy could have the person driving could have easily seen them if they weren't just like right behind
0: that tree. Yeah, except the angle's wrong. No,
1: th- yeah, I know. I know. I mean, like if they had come out of the tree.
0: Yeah, but the, the angle's wrong. So the the see the road is like way low, so they'd have to be looking up on the ridge yeah, line. I don't think true. they would ever see them, but.
1: It's just weird to see it so close. Like well, to see not only
0: that, but you have no reason as a human to be in that deep of snow, that high. No, it's... No. That is very like, strange. Like, where
1: the mountain... The other one that's just the mountain with the snow, people, like, that looks like somewhere someone would ski or snowboard or hike or whatever. But, the, yeah, the, uh, the second one doesn't look
0: like that at all. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's... Yeah, I think that's interesting. The only thing I would point out is... There's a snow ruler, which is probably the reason for this game cam uh, next to it. And just kind of extrapolating off of that, this does not seem like a large Bigfoot. Not Mm -hmm. to say it couldn't be a baby, but yeah, I mean, that is a baby Bigfoot. I would love to meet a baby Bigfoot except for Cole because that's what he is.
1: I don't want to meet any kind of Bigfoot. I do. No, thank you.
0: Not Mm -hmm. alone in the woods, but I'm good. Mm -mm. All right.
1: Um, So, yeah, there was that. And again, nothing came of that. They just posted it. And then um, here's this one's just this is the most news of all news of Bigfoot because it's the only one that's actually news. Um, In January 2021, Representative Justin J.J. Humphrey in Oklahoma filed a bill to establish the first ever Bigfoot hunting season. And if the law passes, it will take effect on November 1st of this year.
0: And guess where my hunting land is? The whoever can get it is going to get a twenty five K prize. This guy is just asking for people to <laughs> go out and I, be idiots. Yeah. The only reason I know about this is because like we said in the beginning, we messed up and uh, I was actually going to do Bigfoot first. So we Googled a lot of the same stuff.
1: Yes. So um another thing I am going to talk about, this is not new news about Bigfoot. This is stuff for something we did not cover. And who was it?
0: Or I think we did. I really honestly can't remember and I didn't go back to check, but I just thought it was worth doing again because there was a new connection that I didn't catch if we did do it or if we messed up. But it was Polly Barker, Bar, Polly Barker Walker, which it may be a group or not a group, but, you know, one of those like couples together. I don't know if that's a full name, but Polly You've been Barker waiting.
1: might be her last.
0: Yeah, 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 I don't know. Um, But Polly, who is a long term fan, I think from the very beginning, mm-hmm. has been waiting for us to do this. I don't think they would. She would miss it if uh, we did it in the first one. So I do think we forgot it. But we've been waiting to do this one. So,
1: yes. So I'm going to be talking about the Bigfoot Wars in Oklahoma. And again, like RJ, I'm I could do bullet points, but it's just prettier if I read it. So I'm just going to read the story.
0: But real quick, um, this is the connection I was going to talk about. So. Uh, it's the Latimer County. Right. So right. my property uh, that I have talked about a million times and, I, you know, I got hunted. Oh, and a UFO. And I got word out by a bear uh, sits right on the line between Latimer County and LaFleur County. So this happened in where I have my uh, hunting land, which I think is awesome.
1: Okay, so here I go. It is said that in or around 1855, a band of Choctaws in what is now LeFleur County and farmers in what is now Arkansas were experiencing some terrifying events. It all began in a rather benign way with the theft of vegetables, a few head of livestock, and other food stuffed by stealthy bandits in the night. The thieves were cagey, quiet, and never seen. They were also smart, as somehow they never ventured into Choctaw encampments on nights when a watchman was in place. Neither did the bandits ever fail, or sorry, fall into the traps set for them by the farmers outside of Indian Territory. Those charged with finding and capturing these marauders began to develop a begrudging respect for the uh, wiliness of their adversaries as time went by and the petty thefts continued. While the thefts were annoying and did cause some hardships, either the Choctaw or neighboring Anglo farmers were afraid of the food bandits. However, things changed once women and children began to go missing. Spurred by reports of these kidnappings, a group of 30 Choctaw cavalrymen was organized to hunt down the abductors. The group was led by Joshua LaFour, a man of mixed Choctaw and French blood who was deeply respected by his fellow tribesmen. Also joining the search party was a Choctaw warrior named Thomas 2B tu- and his six sons. The 2 were huge men, all approaching seven feet in height. Good night. And weighing more than 300 pounds each. They were the each. big feet. Yeah, it was them. Um, and were regarded as fierce warriors and expert horsemen. The, t- the how did I say before? 2 I don't want to say tubbies because that (laughs) feels mean, but it's kind of outspelt. Anyways, uh, were so effective in mounted warfare that despite their massive size, they became known as the light horsemen. The contingent of searchers, armed to the teeth, set out into the region known today as the McCurtain County Wilderness Area to search for the kidnappers. After riding all day, the searchers finally arrived in an area where they believed the bandits to be hiding. LaFour brought his troops to a halt, stood up in his stirrups, and surveyed the area with a spyglass. It is unclear exactly what LaFour saw, but whatever it was, he ordered his men to charge toward a stand of pines roughly 500 yards distant. LaFour and the two B-Men led the attack as the troops closed the distance between themselves and the stand of pines where the kidnappers were thought to be hiding. They were assaulted by a tremendous stench, the unmistakable odor of decay and decomposition. The horses of most of the men began to buck and rear, tossing their riders. Only the mounts of LaFleur and the two B men were disciplined enough to remain composed, allowing the eight men to continue through the pines. As the men cleared the small wooded patch, they came upon a large earthen mound scattered around the, the mound were the bodies of children and women in various stages of decomposition Lafour and the two bees caught a glimpse of a number of the murderers fleeing into the tree line on the opposite side of the mound only three of the killers stood their ground to meet the charge of the light horsemen it was at this time that the cavalry men realized they were not going up against any human foe rather standing before them snarling and beating their chests, were three huge hair covered creatures despite what must have been a shocking sight to him Lafour drew his pistol and saber spurred to his mount and charged as Lafour approached the nearest A it took a mighty swipe and struck his horse in the head, killing it instantly. Poor horsey. LaFour managed to roll off the falling horse, quickly jumped to his feet, and fired multiple shots into the chest of the creature. Once his pistol was empty, LaFour attacked the ape with his saber, uh, opening up gaping wounds on the animal, which roared in rage and pain. LaFour's assault on the creature was so quick, and the shock of seeing hair covered monsters so great, the two B men hesitated, completely stupefied before
0: entering the freight man. LaFour was a badass. That's um, why you have the county named after him. Yeah, that's true. And if you, which you haven't been there. No. Which is still blows my mind. But yeah, to survive out where my land is, that dude was a bad yeah app.
1: This delay allowed one of the other two apes to get behind LaFour, who was instantly, intensely focused on the ape he had engaged. The second beast grabbed LaFour's head with two huge hands and ripped it from his shoulders. The horrible sight jolted the two B warriors into action and they opened fire on the three Sasquatches with their fifty caliber sharps br- Buffalo rifles. Two of the beasts were killed instantly, dropping in their tracks. The third creature was wounded, but turned and fled before the lethal shot could be fired. Robert 2 only 18 years old, but already 6'11 and well over 300 pounds, spurred his horse, ran down the injured ape, and dispatched him with his hunting knife. As the rest of the troop... After uh, gathering their panicked horses joined them, the light horsemen surveyed the area. The bodies of dead women and children, most partially devoured, literally littered the area. The smell of decay, along with terrible odor of the beast's feces, caused many of the men to vomit. After composing themselves, the men gathered the remains of the unfortunate women and children and buried them. They also buried their leader, Joshua Lavour. As for the three ape-like monsters, their bodies were placed upon a huge bonfire and burned. Their hellish task complete, the Choctaw Warriors returned to Tuscahoma, where it is said that even the mighty two-be men were plagued by terrible nightmares for years afterwards. Yeah, I, like, so this was a huge story, obviously, and I, I feel like, like we did a bad job by not finding this, but when I searched it, there was like one thing that came up, and it was just this one post, and I couldn't really find much else. Yeah, um, but it's a. I mean, wow. it's an amazing story. Yeah, yeah so Polly,
0: I, I can guarantee so I looked it back at my notes and it was in my notes. Um, we probably just accidentally buried it and we definitely should have had this in the special. So I'm glad we had a way to come back yeah. to it because this is, I mean, an amazing story. Um, and also to have the personal connection to me, I think is really cool. So my dad is a religious listener uh, of this, but I would have loved to have been able to take him out to the land and then tell him the story. Yeah, that that would have been even be better. Cool. But um, yeah, I mean, this is an amazing story. It's one of the best stories I've ever heard. So uh, amazing. Yeah.
1: So that's it for Bigfoot. I think we still have the same feelings on Bigfoot as we always did.
0: Yeah, I did. I did want to actually take a few seconds. So obviously, fresh off the research I was reading in the Bigfoot special, I was way more bought into the DNA stuff. But um, it has pretty much come out that like, it's unsubstantiated. Like their, yeah. DNA, their DNA processing We've was done, not we, good. I think we talked about it, didn't we? I think so. I don't, I don't know. But I wanted to recap like my, um, I think we did it on one of the, how do we feel about things? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I came yeah, way you were, back. You were pretty pumped. I was pumped. But again, I was, I had just ingratiated myself in like 19 different articles and then started recording immediately. Right. So like, it was like literally two days later after everything settled, I was like, yeah, that's probably crap. Right. <laughs> um, Which is why I think I brought it up later in the podcast. But I do want to say like, There's something going on as far as Bigfoot. I don't think that's changed as far as how we feel. And we do talk about it quite a bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably have a better shot of finding like Yeti or like those Washington pictures just because the snowy landscape lends itself so much better over time Mm -hmm. than the forest, like a green forest to finding this. So um, but yeah, I mean, that was amazing. Just going
1: to say what I've always said. The idea that there aren't a bunch of animals out there that we don't know what are. And we don't, we think that there's not, is really stupid. Also, the idea that there's indigenous people that we don't know about makes a lot of sense to me. Their literal job is, their goal is to stay away from us, is to stay away from society. That's what they want. When I just
0: read this um, article about how in our entire human history, like not having other humanoids is very odd. Right. You know, because we had those hobbit-like people in Indonesia that were contemporaries. We had Neanderthal that were contemporaries. We had... um, Denisovans that were contemporaries and we mated and like killed each other and we had wars. So like, yeah, I mean, the idea of one, I mean, we find humans all the time, homo sapiens, right? Like, yes, that, well, not all the time, but relatively frequently that we've never made contact with that so, actively
1: stay away. Yeah, I mean, from specifically I mean, and
0: the opposite of Bigfoot, right? Like, like if one of those hobbit humanoids, I forget what they're uh, actual name was, but like if they were still around in the jungles of and- Indonesia, like that would not surprise me. No, like at all. Also, some of my family members could maybe be mistaken for <laughs> <laughs> the humanoids. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyways, yeah. yeah that's our feelings. Are yeah, the same. That's the same. Okay. All right.
1: So now we're gonna talk about Zodiac. So it has not a huge update, but like, not like a lengthy one, but like it's a, it but matters. Significant. Yeah. 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 So, um, This came out obviously after our special. And so after 51 years of the messages of the Zodiac killer sent, um, one has finally been cracked by the FBI. Well, not by the FBI. It has been cracked. It was by civilians. And the FBI has confirmed it. Um, So in November, I'm just going to go over this little part again. In November, 1969, a 340 character message was sent to the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, So a man named David Oranchak, he's a software developer with the help of Sam Blake, an applied mathematician, and Jarl Van Eyck, a warehouse operator and computer program uh, programmer. They deciphered, or decrypted the cipher. Um, they're the ones that did. So Oranchak said he has been he's been trying to do this for
0: 14 years. Yeah, and a lot of people thought they were either hoaxes or just really so poorly made that they would never be cracked. Not yes. like so amazingly made that they right, wouldn't be cracked. Right. So this was a huge surprise. Yeah.
1: So um, the FBI has said that. Uh, Over the past 51 years, there have been many, many possible solutions and none were even close to something they would um, they would think could be it uh, until now, obviously. So they verified that this one did. Um, And the message said, quote, I hope you are having lots of fun and trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing. When they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death, end quote. So yeah, so that's, um, I have feelings on this. I get wanting to decipher it. First off, for, for people who in who are interested in these kinds of things, that is like like the best playground, right? Um and, and may and I think some people possibly believe there's a chance that when you you know you're gonna decipher it and it's gonna be this is my name, this is my address, this is where I live, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think a single one is going to say that because he wasn't stupid. And also I think if he is still alive, if he's not, I guess live your life. But if he is, you're just giving him what he wants. Like you're just continuing Which to Which
0: clearly he was a whore for it. Like. Yes.
1: And that's the thing too. He's not one of like there's clearly there's clearly murderers and serial killers who want to get away with it so bad that they don't put themselves out there. And then there's the ones that, you know, wanna like wanna they want the recognition. They wanna, you know, flirt with getting caught, but not get caught. And that's obviously him. That's obviously what he was going for. And so I just kind of feel like the more, the more we work on his stuff, the more we're validating him and everything that he did. And I don't think that's enough to say stop. I get why it's important to continue doing it. But at the same time, I can also see how, especially like for victims' families and things like this.
0: That could be damaging, Because yeah. I mean, it
1: was the 70s. It wasn't that long ago. A lot of these people yeah. are, could be alive. He could definitely still be alive. And so, I don't know. I feel... Especially, be, especially being someone, <laughs> <laughs> especially being someone who is so into this, who loves this stuff. Like it, it just kind of, I don't know. Every time I read stuff like that, I'm like, imagine him reading it. Like, oh, yeah, you know, imagine him sitting there like. This is his <laughs> this is it, what he's here for.
0: Yep. So one thing I think that uh, is worth mentioning, though, with that is the whole confirmation that the person on the TV show wasn't him yeah a lot of people forever also, have i thought mean it wasn't but he could be lying he could but there was a lot of evidence that it wasn't yeah him on the tv show so you so, yeah i think that it's cool to have that quote-unquote confirmation well
1: because so. again yeah he wants to be well, validated but he doesn't want to be that idiot yeah,
0: he well he could be lying but yeah that's what i was going to say like he but he definitely does not want someone else taking his limelight so no. I'm, I'm willing to believe him um okay cool and then for mothman we have nothing. So I was actually hoping to find like a couple cool extra little stories or whatever. There was nothing. And I think it's a combination of it was our most recent one. Yeah. Also Mothman's come in big bunches like uh, all the time. And that's the way the history has gone. So I would expect if we do start hearing from Mothman again, it would be like a, like in the Chicago that we talked about during mm-hmm. the special, right? Like there will be a, a rash of Mothman that we should talk about, but right now is not that time. So, yep. um, But yeah, so I think we talked about how we feel about everything. Um, I felt really good about getting JFK off my chest because that's been bothering me for years. Um, And then I felt really good about the um, Bigfoot Wars. So I'm glad we did that, too. Yeah, same. Um, Yeah. So this is the special, special volume one. And I hope you enjoyed it. And everybody take care. And stay safe. Yeah. Stay safe if you're still frozen or whatever. And also just in general.
1: Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skate Road. Cut. Glare at me. Try to get rid of the stupid knuckle popping. And now the client... Can you hear it? Yeah, I can. Super hearing. Ready?
1: Yeah, but I can do it consistently.
0: Come uh, on. Oh, hold on. No. <laughs> Come on. You deserve that.